0: How do you define creativity? Are you born creative? Why is creativity important for work and play? All questions I ask of my guests. Real people living real lives. Interesting, thought-provoking and inspiring. Creative Conversations with me, Jacqueline Goddard. Enjoy. Uh, welcome to my podcast, Simon. I'm really, really pleased to have you here. So this is Lord Simon Jacobs from uh, Professional Weirdos. So welcome.
1: Thank, thank, Jackie. I really appreciate it. And uh, you, you um, introduced me in the proper sense, which I appreciate as well. Oh, good,
0: good. <laughs> I mean, maybe, that's, maybe that is the place to start then, Lord sure. Simon. Please <laughs> let us know a little bit about how the Lord came to be
1: sure so it's uh it's not as grand as it as it sounds um it's more more loopholey. um as as a lot of people once they listen to this podcast will find out about me i, I quite like a loophole um when i was about 16 which was about 12 years ago um so if you're any good at maths, you work out all i am um i was uh, amongst friends who were looking um at universities and ucas points and various other things like that and um you know you, university was sort of on the periphery but wasn't really a ma- major um thing for me um and so i was looking for ways to to get a degree without actually going to university or, or various ways of getting things without going to university so i, I went on the old google and uh Started searching and found that you could you could get a degree in, you know, aeronautical engineering at Kazakhstan University or something for about four grand. And you could actually buy a doctorate from various other weird and wonderful places. Um, at the time, I didn't have four grand to waste on a fake degree. Um, but through the wonders of the internet shame spiral, I came across the Lord of the Manor, um, which basically you can buy small plots of land on an old manor land um, and you effectively become the Lord of the Manor. And that was about 20 pounds at the time. And um, I remember buying it, running down to my parents and saying, I'm going to be a lord. And they gave me that standard look like, oh, no, not this again, Simon. You're always doing stupid things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, yeah, my dad, my dad t- I told them that you could put it on your driving license. You put it on your bank account statements. It's like, an, it is technically an official document. I went, just don't put it on your driving license. Um, and that's the best piece of advice he's ever given me because I've been pulled over a couple of times Not for anything particularly reckless, you know Being a young driver and having a reasonably nice car gets you into trouble sometimes and um, I could just imagine them pulling you over and looking at the license going Oh lord, Jacob, is it you're coming with us? Um, so yeah, that's uh, So I'm, I'm pleased I never put on my driving license, but I have used it to my advantage on several occasions okay, um,
0: Give us an example. Where is it? Where has it helped?
1: So again, it was around this. It was it was shortly after I bought it, and I was on a I was on a um, youth trip to New York. Um, it was yeah, can't can't quite remember what the what the what the youth trip was, but, but um, the last day of the trip, we were given um, like a treasure hunt style challenge um, to go around and do various weird and wonderful things in New York. So. Things like um, bump into a celebrity. So apparently the streets there are crawling with celebrities. Um, talk your way into a hotel suite. Get pictures of, of many different Starbucks as possible. Busk in Times Square and various other things. And so myself and seven other friends, all of which were from London, so I was the token Northerner, had done all the various different things other than Busk in Times Square. So we stood where, do you know where the stairs that lead to nowhere are in, in Times Square?
0: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I was there a couple of Christmases ago.
1: There you go. So we stood around there with our caps in our hand, belting out "Wonderwall" by Oasis. So me being me being the token northerner really gave it the really gave it the beans, and um, we were getting some like dimes and stuff, mainly out of pity, I think. Um, but uh, we were enjoying ourselves. All of a sudden, though, I felt a massive hand on my sh- shoulder, and I look up, and there's this—he was—he looked massive at the time. I'm going to say he was about eight foot, um, <laughs> New York cop, just looking down at me. And um, at which point I turned to my friends and they had run away. They had, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this or not, but for the sake of it, they, they, they cleared off. <laughs> and then this, this cop just decided to go in at me and say, you know, started shouting, went, uh, you're not allowed to busk in Times Square. It's against the rules. You're going to, you know, I, I, and I could feel myself welling up and all my orifices opening. Yeah. Um, at which point I think he must have seen that I was on like the verge of a breakdown. He relented slightly. And um, at that point, I sort of heard an, uh, like an outside voice, my own voice, going, "I'm so sorry. I didn't. I didn't know. I, you know, I'm from England. I, I wouldn't have done it if I did. If I, if I knew, I'm, I'm. I'm actually a lord. And uh, you kind of feel yourself. Like, oh no, I've not said that. And my friends must have seen in the distance that I've slightly quelled the situation. He's slightly calmer. Um, and they came over and they went, show him the card. Show him the card.' Meaning my bank card. Um, I was like, oh, God.' So I opened up my wallet and showed him the bank card gave it to him and he kind of looked at me looked me up and down looked back at the card looked back at me and then he bowed and uh <laughs> and he said uh, he looked properly embarrassed um he said i'm so sorry you know um i didn't realize you were a lord um various other things it was like he was he was telling me why he was in such a bad mood and things and he asked for he asked for pictures with my friends and me and um then he said uh, um you know go busking Times square next time it was it was an honor to meet you and off he walked and um i thought oh my god i've just escaped escaped jail you know i was being deported And i thought my parents gonna to have to be called and everything and only recently did someone point out to me that he probably went home and said, I almost caused an international incident today. <laughs> uh, thinking you know, that he'd met this Lord and various yeah. other things. And That was actually the, uh, one of the best Lordship experiences. I had the most extreme version, at least, yeah. the most extreme interaction, but it, it was a good one.
0: Yeah, no, and I'm sure he dined out on that for... Exactly. Well, even to this day, he probably exactly. tells that story. Brilliant. But you've reminded me, actually, I've got, um, I've got two Lord connections, actually. Mm-hmm. My, my dad's brother, my uncle actually changed his name by deed pole to Lord. I love it. Um, and yeah he was quite a character, he's, he's gone now but mm-hmm. but he actually wore the cravat and the monocle <laughs> as well so that, yeah he was quite a character. Uh, right. and then I was, uh, my sister actually bought my dad a plot of land right, somewhere in Scotland. Mm-hmm. I suppose my dad must be entitled to it's somewhere. I'm going to tell him that story, and you know, perhaps he'll use it from. No,
1: I mean genuinely, people get bought it as presents. You know, it is it is it's something silly in inverted commas, it's a bit of you know, a stocking filler. But if you embrace it, if you like, really go for it, um, things can happen. You know, I've yeah. I've genuinely had hotel upgrades, flight upgrades, free drinks, um, and it's not through pushing it. You know, it's the fact that I've booked it under the name Lord Jacobs, um, or yeah. I've handed over my card with Lord Jacobs on it, and they go, oh, here you go then um yeah so so definitely embrace it you know go wow. t- t-
0: does that mean i could i could be a lady could i buy a yeah you can buy I a ladyship. i couldn't buy damehood could i i'd
1: have to be a- no so uh you i think you can buy duke actually um i'm not sure what loophole that is but lord but lady and lordship are the easiest ones to get a
0: duchess i could be
1: duchess, duchess yes yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> that's a good name actually i think that would work
0: yeah duchess, yeah. I like that. I might- duchess
1: goddard that, I, you know that sounds really good actually
0: <laughs> uh, yeah uh, yeah I'm gonna look that up and <laughs> um, it, well it'd be great to know how you got to where you are now I mean one of my things is when I look back at, at where I've come from and what I studied and you know I studied in fashion and ended right. up going like this mm-hmm. and ended up here yeah. um, so I wonder if there's anything like that in, in your uh your career ladder I like to call it a jungle gym how, how yeah. did you get to where you are today
1: it's funny because i i completely agree in terms of i would call mine a scribble career um you know a scribble experience and um i was watching a documentary actually it's one of your future guests ash um, who did the did the animation of um a guy a guy, yeah, a guy called james altercher um Quite a, quite a well-known um, inventor in America, um, an investor and stuff. And in, in his documentary, he talks about all these people who are in high-up positions, and people think that they did the standard career ladder, you know, to become CEO. But actually, the reality is that they've had scribble careers as well, because that's how you get there. That's how you get those opportunities. Um, so yeah, so to answer your question, my background, how I, how I came to be you know, a professional weirdo, um, I'll try and keep it short and snappy. So I um, started my first business, inverted commas, when I was about 16. Um, at that point, I was looking for my first car. Um, all, all these things sort of happened when I was around 16, when I was coming up my shell slightly. And um, there was no real advice online at the time. And so, you know, there's just Jeremy Clarkson shouting you to buy a big Volvo or a Lamborghini. So I thought, all right, well, I'll go through the experience of getting my first car and I'll write about it. So I started a blog called the third nipple, um, for no reason other than it made me laugh. And, um, the blog kind of snowballed and became like a gossip column almost for the school. So it was, it was around the days when, Facebook was bubbling, but hadn't quite taken off yet. Um, so it was prime time for people to share stuff online there. Um, and it eventually got shut down cause, um, the headmaster, you know, found out there were some less than favorable things about teachers on there. And, um, I was, I was still quite shy at that time. Um, so, I mean maybe slightly younger me would have probably broken down and had a cry about, you know, being collared by the headmaster. But actually I recognize that I quite liked the notoriety of it. I quite liked the rocking of the boat. Um, so then after that, um, I went to study international business um, at Nottingham Trent University. My, uh, my thoughts at those time were that I would become a high-flying management consultant, you know, here, there, and everywhere internationally. Um, didn't turn out to be the case. I, um, the, the first year of the course was basically the repeat of A-level business, um, which, which meant that I was pretty bored. Um, so I just threw myself into extracurricular activities, you know, literally any society I could find, and then also a lot of going out and getting drunk. Um, but something that I wanted to do when I went to university was write for the university magazine Um, but the year that I got there they stopped printing So I took it upon myself in that summer to think of to start one start one of my own So I came up with the brand name you need to know so UNI number two k-n-o-w playing words you need to know Um and thought right well based on the vast experience I have from writing a blog I can do publishing now so, uh Sent out an email to some English language students, design students and said, I'm starting this thing. Would you be interested in getting involved? Um, and I booked a room for about five people um, and about 50 people turned up. So I was like, oh, I must be onto something then. Yeah. And um, basically from there, we, we designed the magazine, we came up with what it was going to look like, what it was going to be. And then the week after I went out and sold advertising to local businesses, which was the worst week of my life. Um, absolutely hated it, but managed to sell enough to be able to print the first edition. Um, so I had some fun along the way there um we can come back to that you know there's there's some really fun stories well at least i think they're fun um but uh the magazine kind of snowballed um i pitched for for like a dragon's den style competition in nottingham um with the city council and um, won a grant there and one of the dragons on the panel wanted to invest further um independently of the panel um and i was working with someone else at, at the time as well so the three of us formed a a group called the Uni2 group. Um, and so we set up an estate agency, a travel company, an events company, all under the Uni2 brand with the magazine being the Trojan horse effectively. So we were able to get into students um, unlike other businesses. And we effectively became one of, if not the um, best student estate agent in Nottingham almost overnight because the other estate agents were professional lets and did a bit of student, whereas we were purely student and could get rid of our flats and houses really quickly. Um, and then somewhere along the way, Microsoft got involved with us um, they wanted some young companies to work with them to develop some apps to go onto their new operating system. Um, long story short there, they gave us a bit of money, but not enough to develop the apps. So we raised further investment about a quarter of a million pounds. Um, we ended up spaffing all of that up the wall on an app that never ended up working. So that was all fun and games. Um, we ended up dialing stuff back and concentrating on the cash cow of the business, which was the rent side. Um, and at that point, it was about three, three years in, um, I wasn't that interested in that side of things. And my business partners at that point just wanted a big business in Nottingham, which was fine. It was great. But um, for me, I wanted a UK-wide brand, you know, and I had bigger visions. So I decided to step back at that point. Um, and then uh, somewhere along those lines, I graduated, much to the behest of my university, <laughs> which we can get into again. Um, and, uh, at that point I wanted to see where I was in the job market. So I, I thought marketing was my thing. I'd had this business, I'd done, I'd had wonderful experiences, whether or not, you know, quote unquote, they've been successful. Um, I had this experience under my belt and so I sent my CVs out to marketing companies thinking I'd be snapped to immediately. Um, you know, this young 21 year old with, with a massive ego, yeah. um, <laughs> didn't hear anything back and, um, kind of had a, a moment to myself where I thought, okay, well, what do I do now? And um, I thought, well, companies probably want to know A, that you can market yourself if you're applying to marketing companies and B, at least before COVID, what it'd be like to have you in the office with them. And so I decided to get some face masks on myself printed um, and have my CV printed on the back of them um, and basically said, this is you can, have, you can imagine having me in the office with you. And at the time, that was a novel idea. You know, loads of people are doing these kind of things now. Um, but at the time, it was a bit novel and um, got quite a few calls and emails on the back of that, at which point I, my ego got even bigger. And I decided that I could do it myself. I could do marketing consultancy. So I started a marketing consultancy business um, that that had another twist. So uh, with my university business, we worked with marketing companies in the past that were really good, but weren't that interested in the business in the sense that theoretically we were a fast growing startup and we'd offered them equity shares and revenue shares in the past, um, but they weren't interested. So now I had the opportunity to offer that myself. Um, and so that that did quite well for about nine months got a few clients won a few small time awards And then eventually got hired by camelot the lottery company mm. um in london So I was hired on the premise of being young and having a, an interesting background And I was hired alongside about 15 other young people and we were injected into the business to bring in some youth And um, so about two months we were just we were just allowed to not go crazy but we were allowed to you know bob around and you know be Be interesting and work and youthful and stuff and me being me stood out again doing things differently and a bit weird and um, eventually got made brand manager so I, be, I was told i'd be looking after tv campaigns marketing campaigns all the kind of exciting stuff you dream of as a marketer um unfortunately the reality was that all the creative stuff was done out of house by big agencies um and i was a glorified account manager and um had to get really really early to do reports for the c-suite um and it wasn't said in black and white, but the, the feeling was that all the stuff that I'd done in order to get the job in the first place, I was no longer really encouraged to do or be, um, which was a shame. And so after about six months, I decided to leave, um, sold my shares of my university company to my business partner, um, which kept me afloat for a bit. And then we're getting to the end now. And then um, during a conversation with a friend of mine, what I should do next, she kind of leant back and said, Simon, you're a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> I went, what? I said, if you look back at all the weird and wonderful stuff that you've done, they're the reasons for your success, Um, your success is. And um, that was kind of a eureka moment in the sense that, okay, I can resonate with that. But I wanted to find out a bit more about myself and... Eventually, very, very long story short, I um, came up with the idea of Professional Weirdos, which is effectively a creativity training company um, for companies to help their employees reconnect with that creativity um, and ultimately utilize it within business. So what I discovered is a lot of people experience the same thing that I did. They get hired on the basis of their wonderful experience, their, you know, their personality, et cetera. But about three months in, they lose that to the company culture. Um, so that's a shame. So that's me in a really long-winded nutshell.
0: Wow. Wow, no, that's that is absolutely amazing. I mean, you just said you obviously you've done so much in such a short space of time, and it's it's made me think. As I was talking to Ash um, about, I mean, what I'd love to do with the podcast maybe next year is um, is to talk to people like yourself and Ash about how young people going through college and university mm. how they can use their creativity and you know this kind of weirdness yeah. to actually you know forge careers because yeah. it's not stuff that's taught at school and, and kids no. don't realize that actually what makes them happy and what they enjoy doing they could actually make a career of.
1: 100%. You know, there's
0: 100%. Loads of, you know, lots of creative I, industries out there um, and lots of opportunities to, to make your own way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I talk, to, I talk to a lot of people about this, naturally, because of, cause of the, the title. And um, what, what I say is, you know, the generation that's currently going through university, and the generation after them um, that's, you know, about to go to university. We don't know what the jobs are going to look like in the future. You know, when no one knew that COVID was coming. So we don't know what the world's going to look like, full stop. But you can have a rough guess and say that AI, um, artificial intelligence, is going to take over to some extent. So a lot of jobs are going to be replaced. Yeah. You know, so the human element, the creativity element is going to be vital if you're going to want to be employed. So absolutely, it should be taught, you know, what it looks like in terms of the, the education side of things, but um, yeah. it, it needs to be taught to people. Yeah, absolutely. and maybe that's
0: something that is going to come out of this, is the fact that, you know, we're all doing so much more online now. That you know, it's, And, then, and it's, it's innovation, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's being... <clears throat> put into this kind of bubble where we can't do anything, but work out how we're going to get out of it and how exactly. things are going to get changed. Yeah. So I think that is something that, that will come out of that. I mean, I just, I was watching something, uh, you were talking about the method methodology, let's method, say the word methodology behind uh, professional weirdos and stuff. And I heard yeah. you mention Ken Robinson, who is a big, mm. you know, I'm a big fan of, of yeah. dear old Ken. Um, and, you know, and what he was saying about creativity in schools, and I do and yeah. think there's definitely something there. It's been stripped away so much over the last few years. So, yeah. in terms of creativity, what's your definition then of, of creativity?
1: I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of stolen the, the, the term. Um, it's one that I found that really resonated with stuff that I talk about. Um, and for, for me, creativity is bringing two pre existing ideas together to create a new one that that for me is what creativity is and you can apply that to everything so Um, you know, it could be an example of uh, beer pong, which is, you know, table tennis with with uh, with drinking That's two ideas coming together. Um, but you can also apply it to a baby learning to walk, you know, they'll have watched Um, the people around them get up and stand on their two legs and then it's also the muscle memory, you know, bringing those two things together So that's why and I think we'll probably go on to it later. That's why I think, you know, anyone who says they're not creative isn't true isn't isn't telling the truth because you are being creative every every time that you do something that's slightly new. Um, you have a new idea, a new way of doing things. That's creativity, full stop. You're bringing those two things together. Of course, it's a very simplified term. Um, I, you know, when you when you come up with a big idea, it's not just one thing and another thing. It's a whole conglomeration of your life experiences. But it is fundamentally two pre-existing ideas coming together to form a new one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and how do you when you go into the sort of the corporate world? How how do they perceive that? How do they sort of how do they sort of take that idea on board? I mean, are they open-minded in that way?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, there is kind of a split in the room, you know, uh, and I'm, you know, well, 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 well adapted to that. Now you've got the people who are well up for it and that's great, you know, brilliant, you know, and you, you see them smiling, you see them getting involved. And I would say that those people, they don't really need what I do. Um, perhaps, perhaps it's an example of you know the the company admitting that they want them to do more of it which is great um and i can if i can give them some stimuli great the people that really need the stuff that i sort of talk about are the ones that sort of roll their eyes at the back and sort of don't listen in and feel as if they've been pushed to go there um and so it's my role to get them interacting and you know bring it down to their level basically um and for the most part my my end goal for those people is to move them an inch you know I would be naive if I went in thinking that I'm gonna change their lives I'm gonna change the way they do things but just to think slightly different and and a lot of them probably won't admit to even Um, You know, they won't even realize when they do do something different. They sat at their desk Um, but it's just that second. It's that second thought where they think oh, I could do this a bit differently or maybe I'll do this Maybe I'll do that and I mean one of the one of the pieces in the methodology is called challenging the status quo. Um, and that sounds really grandiose and really big um and, and I tried to break it down to really small things. And I say, okay, well, what's one thing that annoys you in the office? What's one thing that, that annoys you about your life or in work? And, um, someone said to me that, um, they had a fire extinguisher on the inside of their desk that they knocked their leg on every day. And, um, I went, well, why don't you move it? And I said, well, it's, it's screwed in. I said, well, bring a screwdriver and undo it and move it somewhere else. And he's like, I'd never thought of it. <laughs> you know i'd never and it's like you know to say it changed his life is is a bit much, but it it, it changes life in a sense that he doesn't knock his leg against it anymore. It changed his life in a sense that he's would never thought about taking a step back quite literally and figuratively to think, okay well, I could do something differently um, and then it's changed his mindset in terms of okay well what's the smallest version I can do in terms of change and challenging the status quo so that's that's a big piece for me in the sense that you know it sounds all big and amazing. Talk about creativity and you know bring this into the world, and it, and it would be great if you could have massive impact. But it has to start somewhere. It has to start small. Um, so it's the small steps that I that I try. Um, so that's a long-winded answer to your question. Yeah. In, I mean, in how, yeah.
0: I um I have worked with um some software designers who obviously aren't customer-facing, and the whole idea was to to get them to think about how their customers perceive yeah. things obviously they're they're busy sort of creating their software but they don't actually think of, of where it's going to end up so I was brought in to do some sort of improvising with them really right and just, you know sort of doing doing stuff like that and I was I was gobsmacked that actually as you say when you turn up you get half of them that are sitting in the back and you can you can feel them <laughs> trying to yeah. push you away yeah. um, but actually once they once they got into it and once they just let themselves go it's giving people yeah. permission isn't it do you do you find that one hundred percent people it 's okay to do that they 're quite happy to do
1: it yeah, one hundred percent you know i 've got a few points on the back of what you just said, yeah so first of all, absolutely give them permission um, I mean the term safe space is is such a such a um, big word at the moment, but yeah it 's a safe space to go and have some fun with it um, you know show that sh- what I try to do with everything that I do is show that I do it you know that i 've embraced it um, and be um, and be an example um, in a sense that you know you can have fun um. And the term, the term like professional, <clears throat> I've used the term professional weirdos because there's a professional element to it. You know, it's all well and good being creative, but if you can't bring it into a professional setting, then it's not that, it's not worth anything, I suppose, in theory. Um, but people hear the word professional and think that it means boring. It doesn't, you know, never, never as a CEO gone, um, I don't want to laugh today or I don't want to smile today. It just doesn't happen. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's about getting that resistance, about, getting that, it's about giving them that that safe space and something that I've experienced myself with people like software designers, you know, who always think in tech, is that they don't think about the the, the bits before the tech. They always think, okay, the solution is tech. But that's not necessarily the case. You need to think about the customers. You said, um, and, they, and they don't. And um, there's an example. I think it was NASA, maybe I can't remember which way around it was, but either NASA or the Russian space um, station were trying to cook up a way to allow ast- astronauts to write in space, and so they developed a pen that wrote in space huge innovation you know yeah. how do you make ballpoints to write in space yeah. and all the other all the other team i think it was i think it was the usa were trying to create pens and then the, U, the russian team just used pencils <laughs> and it's like oh we've we, we've spent so much money on something that's really not that viable um it's like taking that step back so yeah
0: yeah and uh, it's so do you sort of advocate having fun at work i mean can you in that sort of professional sense? Can you get people to have fun at work? How do you encourage them to do that?
1: It's it's bringing the human human part of it, really. You know, um, for for me, it's with, it's with everything that I do. So, um, whenever I mean, simple things like just saying please and thank you, um, and remember, like on social media, for example. Reacting like a human being um, Is one thing for me, you know, as a human you will bring fun to things um, So, you know, you can have humor you, the whole point is that you bring yourself into work You are something that I say is you know, the reason you're hired Theoretically at least is because of your personality your experience um, and your your world view um, otherwise they might as well replace you with some form of ai you know because you might as well be a robot so if you don't bring yourself into it and that includes all of your hobbies all of your interests of course it doesn't mean you have to share everything about yourself you don't have to be completely open but in the sense of bring yourself to it because a you'll enjoy it more and b you'll bring more value um so yeah having fun at work is 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 important and not because you have to force fun Forced fun is never fun um it's more of a case of allow yourself to have fun you know um so, you know, when you think about the like the stereotypical job roles, let's look at accountancy, for example. Um, people think that, that sounds boring. Um, or, or you know, immediately start thinking about it being boring. But I've spoken to a few accountants recently. Something I'm trying to do at the moment is speak to all my LinkedIn contacts. And through that, I spoke to a few accountants and they are so much fun. Um, and it, and it's like I've had chats with them and it's it's a case saying, Do you use that humor at work? You know, and and two of them have said, Yeah, you know, that's all that's the culture, that's what the is about. I'm like, wow good um, whereas one person's like no i don't think it's quite right for the work setting like who sa- you know who says so you know bring it you know that's it you know you're not gonna get fired for having a laugh and if you do you don't want to work there that's it
0: yeah, I mean, I went up to um, Microsoft offices with um, a group of young people that I was doing a project with, and uh, I, I mean, I, you hear it, don't you? About I mean, you probably have been in these settings where places like Microsoft have the swings, they have the bean bags, they yeah. have all that kind of that kind of stuff, areas that you can kind of go and play, yeah. Um, yeah. and and things. Have you worked in places like that?
1: Or yeah, so. When I worked at Camelot, for example, we had um, a table tennis table and a pool table. And I was really excited about the table tennis table because I'm obsessed with, obsessed with table tennis. And, um, you know, what tends to happen is the new people are excited about it, use it for two weeks, and then they forget about it. They get, it's the same as, you know, getting sucked into the company culture. Whereas I was like, right, I'm playing this every week because I flipping enjoy it. And, you yeah. know, people would come and play me um and it became kind of like a thing you know like a league table sort of thing um and so the, the way that i look at it is it has to come down from the top um essentially you, 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 the reason people aren't themselves at work is because there's kind of like a fair met- uh, mentality you know they, they worry that if they're themselves they'll get you know fired or whatever um and that's because it doesn't come from the t- from down at the top so what i would say is if the people from the top do it from a personal you know this is what i want i want it here because i like it as opposed to we think we should put these swings in because it shows that we're fun you know it's a it's a it's a materialistic thing um so yeah so all well and good doing it just just let them embrace it you know um I've got a friend a uh, connection um who runs a company called Fun at Work I think they're called um her name's Sunny and she she supplies um offices with these fun things um and the difference with her is that they rotate the stuff so it doesn't become old and stale. So um, every two months they'll replace a table tennis table with a basketball hoop or something um, and then set up the social parameters around it as well. So the league table, so that people buy into it. And I think that's the key. It's that the, the company show that it's not only okay to do it, but it's encouraged to do it. Yes. Um, it's, not forced, it's not forced, but it's, it's shown that you, you, are, you, you should feel comfortable to do it, basically.
0: Yeah yeah i mean so it's, it's one of my th- one of my things as well apart from creativity is play because i think yeah you know what, what i do in in with uh, with what I do with the acting groups, so whether it's young people whether it's adults uh, whether it's people with learning disabilities or not it's it's about having fun and learning how to play and mm-hmm. certainly as adults you forget how to do that and we're not given the opportunity we're kind of told to grow up you know sort of do this do that yeah, yeah. Um, and people forget how to play but so much comes out of just giving yourself that headspace and I yeah. think you know the, the, those CEOs that have the the forward thinking to sort of you know put it, include that in the workplace then they're the ones that kind of know that that in order to get innovation and creativity going they need that kind of uh that those, those sort of playful areas
1: yeah and it it, it sounds to, to people who are listening to this i'd be I, you know i'd be surprised if, if people who weren't into creativity end up listening to this it'd be great if they did <laughs> but if, if 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 um by some chance we managed to crack that and so on you know does have a mindset that there is no fun in the workplace you know creativity and play is all wishy-washy you know heighty flighty stuff you know imagine how good it would be if your employees said that they enjoyed working um, first of all, you know, what an amazing thing to be able to say about your employees in your workplace. One. Two, yeah. it is scientifically proven that when people enjoy their work like their colleagues and enjoy coming in are more efficient and effective. Um yeah. so it doesn't have to be a high and flighty thing. It is literal. You can have a return on investment in it. You yeah. can see it. Also, retention as well. You'll have people leave, you'll have people stay, and you'll have people recommend your company to come and work for. Um, so they're all they're all these valuable things. So if someone's listening to it and isn't sure like there's scientific yeah. evidence for it. So it, it's yeah. worth investing in. We're worth, yeah, worth, worth spending some time learning about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, the reason I started this podcast and the reason, you know, the, that I, creativity has become such a sort of a, a front forward thing for me is, is the fact that when I started my business two years ago and I went out on my own, I started all those networks, you know, business, successful business women and, and, you know, all those sort of um, those networks. And, and I was quite, surprised that they were they they were professional but they were quite boring because Mm. nobody everybody was so intent on selling what they did that nobody was actually connecting nobody was actually having those conversations and I thought how fabulous fabulous would it be to find a network of creative people that could actually you know collaborate you know find collaborations find creativity together Um, and I have I've been on many networking and there have been some fabulous ones through lockdown that I've really enjoyed, but the, um, onion hour, (laughs) which I came along to, which you run along with, uh, is it Stefano?
1: Stefano Sarchi. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. That was creative. You know, you were in a space full of people that actually are, are allowing themselves to do that. They've given themselves permission to to have that hour of hour and a half of fun and actually connect make more meaningful connections i think so how did that how did that get started
1: that's the key yeah meaningful connections you know because i i went i went to a, a virtual networking thing myself uh, about a week before we did the first onion hour and um i'm not going to name any names but the the networking group was really big um really well known and i thought it was going to be an amazing event i thought, you know i had higher i had high, you know i i had high expectations because it was such a well-known thing and i sat there and i was thinking this is dreary this is so dull, and it, it, the the most annoying thing for me was that it, it didn't have to be this this whole new world had opened up, and there's so much so much opportunity to do some cool stuff with it um so yeah, so when when we were talking about developing the union hour, I was like. This is a massive opportunity to have some fun with it. Um, so, background story behind Onion Hour. So, um, I've known Stefano since university. Actually, um, we we met we met um, through a we were doing some kind of society thing, and immediately he is one of the most energetic human beings you'll ever meet. Um, and uh, I've just been kind of. On the periphery of keeping in touch and stuff for the past for the past few years, just watching what he's doing because you know we get on, we resonate and stuff. And um, he was running, a, he is running a company called Epic Llama. And prior to lockdown, he was running it for quite a few years. I think he was quite successful with it, um, where people would essentially pay a, a certain amount of money, and then he would meet them in the airport, give them some tasks and challenges, um, and it would be a really fun ver- uh, literal event. So they'll do like treasure. Hunts and various other things around the cities that they go to. Um, what an incredible business, first of all. Love, absolutely love that. And Stefano, you know, it makes so much sense what Stefano is doing. Um, and then he sort of brought that over into the virtual world. Um, you know, he was doing doing quizzes, doing activities and things for, for companies. And um, we brought our heads together and thought, right, we've neither of us have experienced any really good virtual ne- networking yet. We've got this experience of doing weird and wonderful things. Let's try it. Um, and so we thought we'd bring our bring our two worlds together and. Um, Add, add some public networking opportunities. You know, We'd done it within companies, but we hadn't brought it in the public sense. So we thought, great, well, let's bring some people together. Let's have some fun. Um, showcase what we do, how we do it. Um, and the onion thing was just literally was the first thing that came to our mind. And then we've added puns along the way. So it's networking with layers. It's networking. that won't make you cry. Networking meets not working. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was, that, was the, that, was the, that was the concept of it. And we just thought... Um, you don't make connections with people when they're sh- when they're not shouting at you but when they're talking at you about what they do. Yeah. you make connections by having in jokes by having things yeah. you can refer back to and so yeah we wanted to create real connections and i think that's what we've done with with onion now, yeah. at least in the first instance
0: yeah yeah and and obviously you have the facebook page as well the professional weirdos facebook uh, group yeah. so how long have you been how long has that been up and running because i am part of that but yeah i don't know how it started or how that came
1: <laughs> so that was actually that was on the back of that conversation i had with a friend who said that was weird um, so originally all I wanted to do was find other people who thought similar to me ie differently and achieve some form of success Whatever that meant to them. Um, so I originally called the group is the world stranger. Am I based on a song? by uh, by a favorite artist of mine called Cosmo Jarvis really good song if uh, if anyone's listening wants to have a bit new bit of new music um, and uh, and then people started to join and I didn't really know what it was It was a uh, you know, it's just an explorative thing and uh, slowly but surely as I spoke to more and more people who were coming from the corporate world and very, had had various other experiences I spotted this opportunity to develop this business about helping other people with being creative and stuff and um, I was trying to create a term that explained who we were, what we did um, and I can't quite remember the moment but I came up with the term professional weirdos and there's you know there's, there's the meaning is kind of twofold there's there's the weirdo who does things um, professionally. So, for example, a friend of mine called Rachel, she runs the London Lou Tour, which is a tour of all the public toilets around London, um, which is incredible. So when lockdown, when lockdown ends and you've got an opportunity, go along to it because it's fun and interesting and historical. Yeah. But yeah. Um, she, she, she like, really opened my eyes in the sense that she was doing something that she loved, which was very weird where she would turn it into a profession. She was making money from it. That was great. So she is a professional weirdo. Then there are people such as myself and others who are weird, in inverted commas, and work in a corporate setting, shall we say, a professional setting. And they themselves are professional weirdos. And then there's me. I run professional weirdos. I'm kind of like professional weirdo squared. Um, And so, yeah, so the group is kind of like just trying to find like a sounding board who think about things similarly, perhaps want help in terms of, embracing that weirdo and uh, as as we t- as we touched on before giving them permission to really do that um mm. so yeah that that's what the group's all about really
0: fabulous yeah, yeah that's that's great um you what so tell me what you've been doing in lockdown though with i mean obviously you've got all this kind of stuff bubbling bubbling away but in yeah. terms of work what happened to you in lockdown how did that work out for you
1: yeah it's a good question so um you know uh, transparency wise so whilst i was whilst i've been building the business i I have had a a job on the side as a digital marketing lecturer um so i took so i was looking for something um that wasn't an office job something that gave me an opportunity to practice public speaking running workshops and also using the skills that i had um so i took a role as a digital marketing lecturer for an apprenticeship course um what i wanted what i wanted to do was help these young people Basically, I wanted to give them the professional word experience without, without giving them the professional widow experience, you know, in that title. And um, so that's kept me afloat, um, both both prior and during lockdown. So pri- uh, prior to lockdown, I was doing workshops three days a week in the real world um, with these people. And then since lockdown, um, they changed the business model slightly, um, where, whereas we did live things. We're now doing recorded sessions. So I've had to change my approach in terms of, recording stuff um so you know you can't do things on the fly when you're recording you have to think about stuff and um just in terms of the professional weirdos aspect in all of this so obviously there's a curriculum that i have to kind of meet in terms of the tick box exercise but i kind of looked at it and went to be a digital marketer yeah you have to know about seo you have to know about google analytics and stuff like that but actually it's the mentality side of it that allows you to be a good digital marketer without that bit without without that you won't be a successful dig- digital marketer so I teach that, <clears throat> so I've been doing that since lockdown. So that's kept me afloat while I build the business. Um, but in terms of professional weirdos since lockdown, what I recognize is that I've managed, to, I've managed to bring together like a roster of weird and wonderful people. So magicians, actors, Krav Maga, instructors, knitting classes, um, art curators and things like that. And <clears throat> what I recognize is that companies working remotely, um, one, they don't, they're not engaging with their teams. So you're missing out on the social aspect, you're missing out on the culture aspect. People are working from home. Um, yeah, they might be working 9 to 5, but they've got blurred lines. You know, they'll be eating lunch at their desk. Um, they won't have a break, and they'll probably check their emails at 10 at night as well. <clears throat> and then you miss out on a creative element as well, in terms of people can't go out, experience things. People can't talk to people, you know, that easily. So um, I brought together a new thing called Professional Widows Lunchbox, which is where I bring all these facilitators as an opportunity for companies to take about an hour out and have a session with them. So you could do a virtual art museum tour. You could have a knitting class. You could have a Crab Maga class. Um, you name know, it. we've got a whole raft of things that people can tap into. And it's kind of like a eureka moment where people have gone, thank god for that we can actually you know give them a break and do some creativity we can have some team stuff um so yeah so now now we're, now we're being asked about christmas parties as well which is exciting um <laughs> so yeah that, that's kind of like the answer in terms of what's happened to me sort of lockdown what's happened to the business during lockdown mm-hmm. um and it's you know for the past since i kind of started refresh the widows it, it's been like pushing a rock up a hill um in, in a good way you know i see it as a, a, as a positive challenge you know talking about creativity talking about thinking differently and now covid and lockdown and stuff has kind of forced people to do that or at least be more open-minded and so it's kind of like the gates are open here we go you know it's it's time um so it's 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 really exciting for me um in the sense of you know what opportunities sort of lie out there
0: yeah and and remind me to talk to you about the lunchbox because i i'm quite good at doing improvisation on I've,
1: line. I've already written your <laughs> name down as a, as a facilitator <laughs> right, <so>. yeah <laughs>
0: um and and so what You've been obviously very busy, and, and yeah. creativity is obviously that's what you've been doing. But yeah. it, what have you been doing in lockdown for uh, sort of for your own well being? <laughs> is there any part of that that you kind of used to relax?
1: Yeah, so I mean that's that's a really good question and uh, it's something something that a lot of people ask me It puts a lot of pressure on Um because uh, you know when you pitch yourself as a creative person people come to you for creativity like oh, where's the next idea gonna come from? Um, <laughs> and uh, you know the 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 honest answer is that the, the the biggest thing that I do is make sure that I have a walk every day um mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have a dog called Rolex. This is that's who this is modeled off And uh, so he forces me to get out of the house, uh, rain or shine. Fortunately, it's been quite nice weather recently. Um, But something that I try and do more often than not, at least once a week, is go for a walk somewhere that I've not been before. Um, Obviously, it's tough in lockdown. You can't go very far. But what I I mean in terms of go somewhere you've not been before, I talk about going down a different path that you've not been. Um, Because just that act alone opens your mind up. To You know the idea of being open-minded and you're not knowing what's gonna come and stuff So the amount of times that I've gone down a different street that I've not gone down before I've walked past a million times I've gone I'll go down there. Um, and I haven't done it. And then when I do do I'm like, oh, I can see my house from there That's new. I've not seen that out that house before look at those flowers Make sure you look up because you, you know, you don't spot all the things above your eye line um, so it's, it's tiny little things like that that enable um, Creativity, you know, we think about creativity as painting, as playing music, as doing this, doing that, doing that. And yeah, all oh, that is creative, absolutely. But you need to have that mindset beforehand to be able to do that. And so that's my little trick um, yeah. into getting my mind into a different gear. And then another thing that I do, um, and again, this probably isn't what people think about when they think of creativity and being overminded, but. Your life currently is algorithms. You know, the amount of stuff that gets served to you because of an algorithm, be it a Facebook page, be it LinkedIn, be it um, Twitter, be it your notifications, Netflix. So I just try and break the, the algorithm occasionally. So I will search something on Netflix, random word, and I'll watch what comes up. And sometimes it's terrible, sometimes it's great. But every single time, it's like I've watched something new, something and I've peered into someone else's life. Um. So so two pieces of advice there is one go down a different path literally and figuratively um and two break that algorithm you know don't let the social media companies don't let things dictate what you go look at
0: i know. love that i love that. I mean I, I try and go for a walk every day but i do the same i do basically do the same walk so yeah i might have to find a different street yeah, that's yeah, that's brilliant. And I love breaking the algorithm that because that is so annoying, isn't it? You only literally have to say a word out, you know, out loud and then suddenly you get all these uh, yeah. adverts coming, coming your way. No, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And yeah. um, so tell, tell me just in the last sort of five minutes, tell me about your book, Get Started. So okay. is that something that's, that you've written? It sounds like you've always been a writer since you were at school. So was it oh, the- inevitable that you would write a book?
1: that's funny actually I've, you know I have, I have never and probably will never uh, consider myself a writer um but actually it's 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 funny because yeah a lot of stuff that i have done is, is does involve writing um i suppose I, I, the reason i don't consider myself a writer is because i've never really been trained in it and that's you know that's my own mindset side of things and i've never been good good at grammar i'm quite good at it now um and and pulling words together, but uh, yeah, th- thank you for that compliment. I'll take that as a compliment. Turns <laughs> out writer, um, Yeah. So the story behind get started was basically, I uh, for years since I started my first business, since I started being like coming out my shell a bit more, people have asked me how did you get started? Quite literally that question. How did you do it? Um, how did you start a business? How did you do this? Do that? And um, I would always offer them. The logical answer I would say go to HMRC do this do that. I would give them the the literal step um, And they would kind of look at me like that's not what I wanted. Actually. Um, you've not answered my question Um, and what they actually needed was like the mindset behind it. So for me Um, I always found it natural to go and do it. I was always an action taker You know, I wouldn't think about things I'd just go and do it which to some extent, you know isn't isn't a great treat because there's no thought behind it but to another extent at least I'm going out there learning um and so all I did was whenever I whenever I went out and was impulsive and did something and actually took an action I'd write down that thought process and so get starters like hints and quips and thoughts and stuff all pulled into one to basically get you started um it doesn't matter whether that's a diet doesn't matter that whether that's a business the, okay. the book is all about those small like incremental things that you can do to get yourself and like, get that ball rolling And um, I you know I've, I've had quite a few people come back to me and going you know the whole point So the book in itself is an inception piece. I'd never done a book before. I'd never used amazon, you know Self-publishing as so I thought right i'm gonna do it and the book in itself is going to be like inception. I've got it started um and uh, so uh, so that was the idea for the book and i've had a few people come back to me and going you know whether whether it be homework i've had some come to me and say i actually started doing my homework after reading the book um whether it's i've I started a business i've had a few people say that and it's just people taking these first steps you know there's nothing there's nothing particularly amazing about it it's just encouraging people to go and realize that you have this big vision this big idea and that's the stuff that's stopping you from doing it boil yeah. it down into the tiny little bits and and take that mm-hmm. take that little, little little tiny
0: step yeah yeah no that's 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 just that's absolutely right and again maybe it is we keep coming back to permission you know and it's just sort of people have this idea of what they should do don't they they sort of think I should be this I should do this and yes, actually yes. They, they just they forget about the, the little steps that it that it takes to get there
1: yeah um, I, I kind of I, you know uh, uh, coming back to the writer thing you know um, had I let that mentality of "I'm not a writer" get in my way, I wouldn't have done half the stuff that I'd done. You know, um, whereas I just put it out there. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's you know, kids giving yourself that permission um, and realizing that no one is going to give you that permission but yourself. That is the honest. That is the honest point of it. You know, um, I was talking to a friend the other day who was who was saying he's watching all his colleagues get awards for things like best X, best this, best that, and um, he said to me he only just realized the other day that these people had put themselves forward for it. You know, he thought they were, you know, he didn't realize they were self-nominated. I went, that's the world. You've got to self-nominate for everything.
0: Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's great. Can you, can you let us know um, where people can find you, Simon? Where, you know, where's the best place? Websites? uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, the website for Professional Weirdos is www. I don't think people say www anymore. www.professionalweirdos.co.uk, basically. Um, then, two of the best places to get me online are Facebook. So, you can add me as a friend. That's, that's absolutely fine with me. I'll have a chat with you. Join the Facebook group. Again, it's called Professional Weirdos. And on LinkedIn, it's Lord Simon Jacobs. Um, and I would be happy to connect. And um, you'll, fi- you'll be able to find my email and stuff as well on there.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. And so, so what's for you next? What's coming up? what's the next
1: thing so the next thing so this is coming up to the end of november we've got our next onion hour um this week as we speak on the wednesday so if, if uh, well it'll be too late by the time this goes out but we'll be doing them doing them more regularly so have a look for onion hour on linkedin or facebook if you're able to come across it um we've got the christmas parties offer so if you hear this just in time um Come and book a Christmas, a virtual Christmas party with us. And then, if you hear this in the New Year, and you're interested in any any virtual activity, um, such as the ones I listed, or some kind of consultancy around creativity. Um, give me a call. That, that 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 that's for me, really. You know, that's the exciting stuff. Trying to trying to bring professional widows into the into the mainstream.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. Well, good luck with that, because yeah. you know I'm you. I'm there with you. Let's, let's... yeah bring professional weirdos to rule the world exactly <laughs> Great. oh thank you so much for for being a guest on my podcast simon it's been brilliant it's been a really really lovely conversation so thank you very much
1: oh, my pleasure jackie thank you very much you know i i always i, I enjoy podcasts full stop because i like having the conversations but when there are really good questions like the ones you, you've challenged me with um they're even better so i really appreciate it thank All you good. for well, inviting me
0: that's great that's good to know from my point of view. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And please subscribe, follow or like. And if you'd like more information on me or my guests or would like to know how we could work together, then visit the website www.atticusarts.com. I'd love to hear from you. Take care.